The House and Senate will come back Monday and stay in session through Thursday. Last week in the House, the House came back to work on Tuesday and took up and passed two bills under suspension of the rules. On Wednesday, the House took up and passed the rule governing floor consideration of H.R. 2, the Secure the Border Act, and H.R. 1163, the Protecting Taxpayers and Victims of Unemployment Fraud Act. On Thursday, the House took up H.R. 2, the Secure the Border Act. It passed by a vote of 219 to 213, with all the yes votes coming from Republicans and all but two of the no votes coming from Democrats. On Friday, the House took up and passed H.R. 1163, the Protecting Taxpayers and Victims of Unemployment Fraud Act. The bill passed by a vote of 230 to 200, with all the Republicans voting for it and 10 Democrats crossing over to join the Republicans in voting for it. Then the House took up and passed a bill under suspension of the rules, and then they were done. This week in the House, the House will return Monday with the first vote set for 6.30 p.m. At that time, the House is scheduled to take up three bills under suspension of the rules. This is National Police Week, so the House will be focusing on law enforcement measures. On Tuesday and Wednesday, the House will consider H.R. 2494, the Police Act of 2023, and H.R. 3091, the Federal Law Enforcement Officer Service Weapon Purchase Act. The Police Act is an acronym for the Protect Our Law Enforcement with Immigration Control and Enforcement Act, which calls for amending the Immigration and Nationality Policy Act to make assaulting a police officer a deportable offense. The Officer Service Weapon Purchase Act would create a program to allow federal law enforcement officers to purchase retired handguns. On Thursday, the House will consider H.Con Res 40, expressing support for local law enforcement officers and condemning efforts to defund or dismantle local law enforcement agencies. Last week in the Senate, the Senate came back to work on Tuesday and voted to invoke cloture on the nomination of El Feliz Gorordo to be U.S. Alternate Executive Director of the International Bank for Reconstruction and Development. On Wednesday, the Senate voted to confirm him to that position. Then the Senate voted to invoke cloture on and then to confirm the nomination of Glenna Lorene Wright Gallo to be Assistant Secretary for Special Education and Rehabilitative Services at the Department of Education. Then the Senate voted to confirm Joy Colleen Shogun to be the archivist of the United States and Gita Rao Gupta to be ambassador at large for global women's issues. On Thursday, the Senate took up and passed SJ Res 23, a Congressional Review Act resolution of disapproval of the rules submitted by the National Marine Fisheries Service relating to endangered and threatened wildlife and plants regulation for listing endangered and threatened species, and designing critical habitat. Then the Senate took up and passed S.J. Res. 24, a CRA resolution of disapproval of the rules submitted by the United States Fish and Wildlife Service relating to endangered and threatened wildlife and plants, endangered species status for northern long-eared bat. Then the Senate voted to invoke cloture on the nomination of Bradley N. Garcia to be U.S. Circuit Judge for the District of Columbia Circuit. And then they were done. This week in the Senate, the Senate will return on Monday with the first vote set for 5.30 p.m. At that time, the Senate will proceed to a roll call vote on confirmation of Bradley N. Garcia to be U.S. Circuit Judge for the District of Columbia Circuit. 
Now the latest on the Biden crime family saga. On Wednesday of last week, as promised, House Oversight and Accountability Chairman James Comer and a half dozen of his Republican colleagues on the committee held a press conference to update the media on the progress they've made in their investigation of the Biden crime family. In a 36-page report, the committee wrote, quote, The committee has uncovered evidence indicative of influence peddling and financial deception warranting further investigation and legislative solutions, end quote. According to the committee, various Biden family members formed no fewer than 17 limited liability companies during the eight years of Joe Biden's service as vice president. Those companies took in more than $10 million from foreign nationals. And the question remains, what did those foreign nationals believe they were buying with their money? We know no goods exchanged hands, so what services were rendered in exchange for that money? In the absence of any more innocent explanation, it certainly seems the Biden family was engaging in old-fashioned influence peddling. Whether or not Joe Biden knew or profited from the influence peddling is yet to be determined. Later on Wednesday, the Federal Bureau of Investigation once again refused to hand over to the Oversight and Accountability Committee a document sought by the committee, which the committee believes contains evidence of Joe Biden engaging in a corrupt pay-to-play scheme with a foreign national. Chairman Comer blasted the FBI, quote, It's clear from the FBI's response that the unclassified record the Oversight Committee subpoenaed exists, but they are refusing to provide it to the committee. We've asked the FBI to not only provide this record, but to also inform us what it did to investigate these allegations. The FBI has failed to do both. The FBI's position is, trust, but you aren't allowed to verify. That is unacceptable. We plan to follow up with the FBI and expect compliance with the subpoena. End quote. Stay tuned. Now to illegal immigration. The public health emergency caused by COVID-19 was brought to an end last Thursday, and with it went Title 42, which allowed U.S. law enforcement authorities to turn back asylum seekers at the border. Since it was employed in the early days of the crisis, more than 2.7 million migrants were turned back at the border. In anticipation of the lifting of Title 42, tens of thousands of migrants have been traveling to Mexican border towns to prepare for attempted entry into the United States. The Biden administration has given directives to the Border Patrol to release migrants into the interior of the country if they are overwhelmed at the border, even though this violates current U.S. law. A federal judge in Florida, Judge T. Kent Wetherell II, issued a ruling Thursday night imposing a two-week restraining order on the implementation of that new policy. When the Biden administration responded by requesting an emergency two-week stay of his order, he blasted Biden's lawyers and denied their request, calling the Biden administration's request for an emergency stay borderline frivolous and chicken little. What Judge Wetherell was saying, essentially, is that the Biden administration is lying about its plans for handling illegal immigrants at the border now that Title 42 has been lifted. Quote, DHS's chicken little arguments about the impact of it not being able to misuse parole under either policy as a processing tool for the surge of aliens arriving at the border are hard to square with the DHS secretary's recent comments that only a fraction of the people that we encounter 
would be paroled into the country and that the vast majority will be addressed in our border patrol facilities and our ICE detention facilities, the judge wrote. DOJ lawyers made clear they will appeal Judge Wetherill's ruling to the 11th Circuit Court of Appeals. Now to the Julie Sue nomination, the latest update, California Democrat Senator Dianne Feinstein returned to the Senate last week and cast a vote for the first time in months. That means Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer could be ready to move Labor Secretary nominee Julie Sue to the floor for a confirmation vote any day now. Schumer wants it, and so does Biden. New White House Chief of Staff Jeff Zients has spent the last two weeks calling undecided Democrat senators and Energy Secretary Jennifer Granholm and Commerce Secretary Gina Raimondo have joined the effort. Democrat senators believed to still be undecided include Arizona's Mark Kelly, West Virginia's Joe Manchin, and Montana's John Tester. Independent senators still up in the air include Maine's Angus King and Arizona's Kirsten Sinema. Tea Party Patriots Action has had a call to action urging our supporters to call their senators to urge them to vote against the Julie Sue confirmation for some time now. If you've taken the opportunity to call them, thank you, and please do it again. If you haven't had a chance yet, please do so this week. Now to the latest on the talented Mr. Santos. On Wednesday of last week, Congressman George Santos of New York, the talented Mr. Santos, was indicted by the federal government on 13 felony counts. The charges include seven counts of wire fraud, three counts of money laundering, one count of theft of public funds, and two counts of making materially false statements to the House of Representatives. Santos pleaded not guilty to all counts. He said he would fight the charges and would not resign his seat in Congress. One of the charges accuses Santos of fraudulently receiving more than $24,000 in unemployment insurance benefits. During the time he says he was, when he applied to New York State saying he was unemployed, according to the indictment, he was working for a Florida-based investment firm and making $120,000 per year. Despite being indicted, Santos was allowed to continue voting in the House including a vote in support of H.R. 1163, the Protecting Taxpayers and Victims of Unemployment Fraud Act. There's no telling what fun Democrat campaign operatives will have with that vote. Now to the debt ceiling. President Biden hosted the four congressional leaders last Tuesday at the White House to begin negotiations over a bill to lift or suspend the debt limit. The meeting ended with an agreement to continue talking. Aides to the five principals spent the next several days doing just that, with the first aides follow-up meeting being devoted to going through the bill passed by the House section by section. The president was scheduled to meet with the four congressional leaders again on Friday, but they decided to postpone the meeting until more work could be accomplished first. So now they've rescheduled a meeting of the five principals for Tuesday of this week. Meanwhile, the Congressional Budget Office released an analysis of current revenues and obligations that suggests the X date, that is, the date beyond which Treasury will lose its ability to continue juggling the bills, will likely fall in the first two weeks of June. And that's our Washington Report for this week.